Morning, everyone. What an awesome day in uh, God's house and an awesome weekend. Uh, the weather is uh, tapering off on us a little bit. It's becoming a little bit cooler, but uh, God is still with us. Amen. If we can uh, suffer through this 40-degree day, maybe we'll get back to some 50s and 60s uh, to carry on. Uh, this is the missionary series. We are in week three, as Dusty just alluded to. Uh, last weekend's missions conference, want to thank everybody uh, for coming out and uh, participating in all the events. It was an awesome time. The missionaries have all responded back to us and uh, just uh, thanked us for serving them and allowing them to rest and allowing them to receive uh, relaxation that they don't normally get. And they just thankful for churches like Bethesda that loves God and loves people. And they uh, just wanted to make sure and let all of you guys know thank you. Uh, we do, as a church and as pastor, I, too, I truly appreciate those of you that opened your homes to allow people to stay in uh, and allow missionaries to come and stay in your home. It was a, it's a life transforming moment when you get a missionary housed in your home. And one thing to always remember is, is that uh, that allows the money that we would normally spend to go to uh, a motel or a hotel, and there's none in Lewis County, so we have to send them to either Maysville or Portsmouth, and uh, that money would go to those hotels, but we keep that money and then give it to the missionaries directly. That way it uh, allows their financing to be up rather than spend on the hotel, motel. So appreciate home openers. Um, they, they just really look forward to coming back, Sister Emily. Her word last week was uh, amazing. It inspired me, it caused me to go back and reflect upon my own relationship with Christ. And I was one of the ones in the back that absolutely said that uh, I need to be better about holding a sword and holding the trial and setting stones and doing work for Jesus and uh, inspired me. So missionaries, it's 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 is our verse. I want us to go there and look again, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 9, that's the verse we're, lose, uh, we're using throughout the entire uh, missionary series. And uh, let's get turned there. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. When you have it, please stand as we read uh, this verse in honor to God's word. Grateful to have the kids up with us today. Feels like uh, when I grew up in church. Uh, we, we didn't have children's church, so we had to be in church service the whole time. And we thank God for our, our children's church workers. Uh, we just did come out of the I Belong series, and we had several uh, individuals come to us and say that they would be willing to work in children's church. We truly appreciate our, our new uh, people that's coming, that's attending, and that's going to step up to the plate and help with children's church and different things. So we've got different people that said they would help with uh, maintenance, uh, just multi a plethora of different things that they're going to help us with, and we appreciate everybody's help to make Bethesda a better place. But let's read this verse, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that it encourages us. Lord, that it goes before us that it prepares a way before us. And God, we just pray today that you would just uh, quicken our mortal bodies, Lord, that you would take over our minds. And Lord, I pray for anybody's mind that's in here today that's running in a thousand different directions, Lord, that you would allow it to settle, that you would bring peace, Lord, that your spirit would just bring comfort, and Lord, that they would be able to think clearly. Lord, I pray that you would break up the foul ground of our heart, 
Lord, that you would be able to apply your word, that it would be a seed that is sown in our heart, Lord, that it would be watered, and that you would bring increase throughout our life. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our missionaries. Lord, we just pray your blessing around the world today. Lord, as our missionaries are on the field in foreign countries, and even here in the United States, God, that they would be effective, that you would allow them to be in ministry that transforms lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. You can be seated. Won't you just lean over to your neighbor there beside of you and say, God is not stingy. That wasn't loud enough. I need you to tell those people beside of you, God's not stingy. Amen. God is not stingy. He is, uh, the Bible says that he gives good and perfect gifts and they come down from the Father of lights. He gives us gifts in this life. The best gift that we could ever have is eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. I thank God that he's not stingy because if he was selfish, if God was selfish, he would uh, just have kept heaven to himself and he wouldn't worry about everybody else. Amen? But God is not stingy. He's not selfish. So he opened up heavens and the portals of heaven and invites all of us to attend, all of us to come and live in eternity with him there. And today as we think about this word here that we uh, read, that the Lord's not slack, he's not slack concerning his promises, he's not an end-end giver, he's not one that says and gives and then takes back, he is one that continues to give. And today as we think about this missionary series, I thank God today, I thank God for all the things that we've learned so far in the last two weeks, but today I feel like God wants us to go down a direction of a path to understand the steps along the salvation journey. And uh, it, there is uh, places that uh, we should uh, ascribe or aspire to make. And uh, in, in thinking about this, that as missionaries go, I tried to put this in perspective in my mind, this sermon, that as missionaries go, they've got an agenda. They've got a reason to go and a reason to be called by God to go to these foreign countries. And we've got some of our pictures around the wall of some of the different nations of the world. And uh, just, I love looking at those pictures. It brings uh, vibrance uh, to Bethesda, to us as a missions-minded church. But I want to read just one verse to you, two verses actually. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, I now rejoice, Paul speaking back to the church at Corinth that he had planted and helped uh, to establish. He says, I now rejoice... Not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Look at your neighbor and say, you're kind of sorry looking. Husbands, don't tell your wife that. Uh, it can go the other way, not that way. Uh, you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance, for you were made so sorrowful according to the will of God. These are those hard verses. The verses that we don't like to read. To think that God wants us to be sorrowful or to have sorrow. We like the itching ears. We like to heap up for ourselves teachers. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But I would take and expound to us today that we would accept the will of the whole word of God and not parts. So that you might not suffer loss of anything through us, Paul says, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation, 
but the sorrows of the world produces is death. And as we think about Paul writing this scripture to the Corinthian church, I think about him saying that it's the will of God for sorrow to come upon the church or upon the humanity that we would understand that our state that we're existing in is not a good state. Amen. If you've never been... Uh, to a service where that you've had your toes stepped on, per se, that we say in the church, uh, you need to go to a church where your toes get stepped on every now and then. Amen? I'm not a pastor. I'm not a type of preacher that likes stepping on toes. I don't go all week thinking about, man, I can't wait to go in and lay the gauntlet down this week and uh, see everybody uh, walk out uh, trembling and getting out the door, barely getting out the door because your feet has been stomped until they're bruised. But today I've got a unction within me to say the truth and that God wants us today to know that there's a sorrow that needs to be there that there is preaching that needs to happen about that uh, humanity is in a fallen state and without an almighty God transforming your life in that fallen state you're broken amen that you're uh, without uh, rapport that you have all these battles going on in your mind but in that state of confusion in that state of self-existence where our selfishness is our whole ambition in life that everything we do is centered around us we're not like God amen if I'm selfish if I'm self-centered if I'm not having acts of kindness towards others if I'm not doing the will of God if I'm selfish I'm not like Jesus Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? They're one and the same. And if we say we're Christians, it means we're Christ's followers. Amen? And we should say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Amen? That's the point of being a Christian, of Christianity. I'm not saying you're perfect. Amen? I'm not saying you won't have a little bit of anger every now and then or a, or a little bit of uh, uh, turmoil going on in your life. Jesus had plenty of that. He went in one time to the temple. He went into the church service, and he seen them exchanging money and, and ripping people off and doing different things. And, and it said he took a cat of nine tails, and he run them out, and he, he led them out of there, and he, he turned over the money changer's table. He, he let the pigeons go. He, he, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes Jesus fixed some of the ills of society. And for us to say that we're perfect, we will never be that until we cross Jordan. But this sorrow that I'm speaking about, the Bible says that a godly sorrow brings repentance. A godly sorrow. A sorrow that God implants in our heart that we see, that we come face to face with reality, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Until we've ever come to that point to see that my sin is not against humanity, it's against God. Amen? We know when we do other people wrong, and sometimes we feel sorry about that. Even in a fallen state. Amen? Amen? But here today, I want us to see a picture that God lets us, He brings this. It's His will for us to come to this point in our life that we have a sorrow, a godly sorrow, that we come face to face with the reality that I have sinned against God. It's the first step toward salvation. When you come to a church service or whenever one of these people in one of these pictures first attended the service for a missionary that come to their soil in their country and preached the gospel message to them, they had to come to a place of sorrow to understand that there's a God out in heaven that loves me so much that he would give his son for me. And whenever they come to that conclusion that I'm sorry about my sin, that's a point where change can happen. And in this place today, I don't know what state every individual in this room is in, but I know this, that in humanity, 
We need to be sorry for our sin against God. And Paul's telling this to the Corinthian church, but it's God's will that we be sorrowful for what we've done because it can lead and it produces repentance. Amen. I need to come to a place of repentance in my life. And what is repentance? It's a willful turning, a mindset, a, a condition of your mind to where you say, I am no longer going to exist in this state, and I'm looking for a better path. I'm looking for a better future. I'm looking for a hope beyond the scope of this, this reality that I'm in right now. And with God, that's possible. Life transformation is possible. Amen? The new life that Jesus spoke about to Nicodemus is absolutely possible. That you can be born again. Everybody say born again. That is repentance. At this sorrowful moment, you come to this conclusion, this reality. It's an epiphany in your life. And you say, okay, I see that. I'm sorry about sinning against God. And now I'm going to repent. I'm willfully turning my mind and turning towards God to say, I'm going to follow you. You're going to be the Lord of my life. I need a Savior. I repent. Step one, sorrow. Step two, repentance. When you repent, you automatically become saved. Amen. I, I hope you understand in this place today that everybody in this room needs to be saved. It's an old term that was coined by a lot of the churches through the years. That, that it, It's not a word that you hear. It's not verbiage that you hear in a church a lot anymore. It's not a, a thing that we say about being saved. But I think it's a, one of those old wells that we need to redig that the Bible talks about, that we would talk about salvation and being saved is a reality, that God transforming our life is absolutely possible. So in this place today, I'm talking about salvation. That I've had a godly sorrow about my sin. I've made a willful, mindful decision that I'm going to repent and follow Jesus. And in doing so, it makes me saved. Amen. We're saved in this room today. Is there any saved people here? Amen. There should be a good amen, a thunderous amen in the room. Because if you're saved, it's something to be happy about. Amen. amen. If you've raised your hand and said, yes. I need salvation, you will receive that salvation. The Bible says, if you ask, you shall receive. Yes. Amen. Salvation is a reality. But there are steps along the process. We understand that. Can you see the picture now that you need a godly sorrow in order to receive this, produce this repentance which goes forward and makes us saved? Amen. It steps along the journey. Sometimes people will come to church for a long time and, and, and they'll hear this gospel message over and over again. It becomes clearly a reality in their life and they understand that they're in a sinful state. And sometimes that takes a year. I've seen that take six years. I've seen it take longer than that. I've witnessed my brother go to church with me my whole life growing up. My mom and dad made him go with us. They made me go when I didn't want to go. Amen. When I come back to church, that's right, I, at least I'll get an amen from Laney if nobody else. Good job, sister, I like it. Yeah. That's what family day is all about, getting the kids amen. But my brother, when I come back to uh, Pastor Bethesda in 2010, right, October 2010, September, we came and got installed in October. But we first came back in September, yes. My brother started coming. He wasn't saved. He wasn't sorrowful. He hadn't repented. But he came. And he continued to come. And I would see him sit back in the back with his head down 
week after week after week. And sometimes it gets frustrating. You think, is he ever going to hear? I remember one time we had a guest speaker to come, and I went back and put my arm around him. I said, brother, you need to go up front. I could tell that he, he was being drawn, that God's spirit was drawing him, that the Father was drawing him to come to salvation. I went and put my arm around him. Brother, you need to go. And he just looked over at me and just crying. I came. Amen. Took a long time. Amen. And I seen God working in his life, praying for him, watching mom pray for him, watching people in the church pray for my brother. All of a sudden, different things begin to happen in his life. The world comes crumbling out from underneath his feet. And on a midweek night, he come home from work, nowhere else to go, don't know what else to say, and comes pulling up my driveway and walks and beats on our door. And he, he hadn't been in my house two times probably. And he comes through the door and he sits down and he just sits there and tears hitting the floor. And he says, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to pray. But I know one thing. I'm making a willful transition in my mind right now. I think a godly sorrow had hit him. I think repentance was at that moment in his life where he made a decision. I got to go to my brother's house, my little brother of all things. And he comes pulling up my driveway and he sits there and he said, I don't even know how to pray. So I led him through the sinner's prayer. He prayed it. I said, Now you got to call mom. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got to call mom. <laughs> he got on the phone. I dialed it for him. He couldn't even see the phone. He's just snot flying. It was awesome. It's salvation, amen, I love it. It's the glory when the stock goes to flying. It makes my ears just tear up right now even thinking about my brother being saved, Ernie. Amen. That he's going to go to heaven with me forever. Oh, it's exciting, church. So here we go, and my brother calls my mom and says, Mom, I just got saved. Woo! What do you mean? And she, I hear her on the other end, what, what do you mean? She's come to church for 40 years, and here it is. My brother's saying, I got saved. Well, what do you mean? It means you got saved. Amen. We ought to know what that means. I love it. It's steps along that journey, and some journeys are longer than others. I've witnessed people come to church sometimes for two weeks. In the third week, they come hearing a gospel message, hearing a message preached, that they'll raise their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me because I want to be saved. I'm ready to repent. I've got a godly sorrow that's leading to repentance, and in that repentance, I want to be saved. I'm making a willful transition in my mind to go towards God. That's an awesome thing. I love it, thinking about salvation. And when we're talking about missionaries, missionaries is all about salvation. When you hear missionaries, they tell stories about going and reaching unreached people groups. And we sent a message out a few weeks ago, I did, to several people in the church and, and shared the video with you about the end of the spear and how the, those missionaries down in Ecuador flew that plane and they landed on that beach, was speared to death by these people, this tribe up in the, in the jungles of, that, of, of down in there in Ecuador. And when they got speared to death, they had a gun with them. They could have killed their, and shot their way out. They could have fought back and they didn't and the reason they didn't they said because the gospel message is worth me laying down my life everybody say that's pretty selfless amen I'm selfish that's selfless I need a godly sorrow about my selfishness I pray that happens in this place today that God will break up our hardened hearts that he would give us a burden for Mozambique. Amen. For India, for Thailand, all these different ones around the room. That it would be a reality that there are unreached people groups still today. But this guy that took the spear, that killed the one uh, 
Jim that, that killed him, that stabbed him through the heart with a spear, this tribesman, he had no idea of godly sorrow. He had never heard a gospel message. All he knew was the lineage that he grew up with, that generation after generation, that if somebody kills you, you kill them. And if you're afraid, you kill somebody. That's just what you do. That was the norm in their society. It was culture. He had never knew anything about godly sorrow. Winds up the ant. This young man goes back and ends up getting into this culture, getting in because it was a woman. They wouldn't kill her like they did the men that come down to reach them. So the woman goes in, and when the woman goes in, she starts teaching them about the trail, about the path, about the carvings on the tree that the, that the Spirit had left for them to follow this pathway of Jesus. And it, teaches them, it taught them about a godly sorrow. Think, what was his name? Umbay or something like that. They say, I can't, I can't talk English. I ain't even going to try to talk like them. I think it's Umbay, the way they say it. He comes to this epiphany. I should be sorrowful about taking another man's life. And godly sorrow hit his heart. And he repented. And in his repentance, he becomes saved. And then the next thing you know, look at us today. What is it for us? We have a godly sorrow. We repent. Now we're saved. Now what? Everybody say, now what? Now what? Now what? Amen. That's the point where you go down to the creek. You go down to the river. You go down here and get the wash tub down here in the middle of the winter that my brother got on January 1st. And what better way to bring in the new year than to be dunking my brother in the water and bring him back out resurrected with Jesus Christ. I mean, it was the most awesome experience to be able to baptize my older brother. It was awesome. And so many people in this room have been able to experience that and watch Leslie uh, love on Cindy and Michelle and all them and, and watch her take them out in the water and Leslie be the one to baptize them. There's nothing in Scripture that says that I have to do all the baptizing. If you win somebody, I'm going to put you in the water with them so that you can baptize them. That's your job. Amen. But I'll say that there's a lot of people who weren't baptized by Jesus. His, his, his uh, disciples baptized people. I think church people ought to baptize people. Scriptural. Amen. So... We understand godly sorrow, repentance, salvation, water baptism. It's just an awesome transition along this journey of life. But we get to that point, a lot of times Christians, uh, some people have been in church for years and years and generations and generations and, and decade after decade, and they've been saved for so long, and they've been along this pathway, and once they get to water baptism, they just stop. It's enough. And they don't ever come to this epiphany to say that there's more to Christianity than just this walk that I'm walking. Amen. That there's more to God than what I've already experienced. Amen. And church, I'm here to tell you today, there's so much more to God. It's endless. You can't get to the end of God, and you never will here on this earth. If you will keep seeking God, you will keep finding God. It's called discipleship. And I love it that so many writers today are writing in books to say that, that you know, people are getting saved and, and we allow them to just say, well, you know, water baptism don't really, don't really save you. you. You're saved by faith, and grace through faith, and we believe that. Amen. Amen. But Jesus said, go baptize them. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody says, well, what about the thief on the cross? Well, hallelujah, he died in two hours. You want to die in two hours? Amen. 
You need to be water baptized. It don't save you, but it's the first act of discipleship that Jesus commands. And if we're going to live a selfless life, we've got to do what he says, not what we want to do. Amen? If we're repenting and saying, you're the Lord of my life, then whatever he says, that's what I do. Amen. Amen? It's a life that I live is now not my own. I was bought with a price, amen, that I couldn't pay. That's who I am. I'm in Jesus Christ today and living a life, the blessed life. Paul says sorrow comes, brings repentance, gets you saved. Then you need water baptism. There's more, and the church has been seeking for this for a long, long time. And you go back and study John Wesley. You can study uh, D.L. Moody. You can study Billy Sunday. You just go through and study preachers after preachers after preachers that have, have preached through the years, that sought God, that, that, that got to a place in their life where that they said that I've not arrived. I need more. I don't know about you in this room today, but I hope and pray that during this missions-minded sermon that we're in here, in this series that we're in, that somehow in epiphany, in a moment right here, you can say, I've been saved for 30 years, and I've been stuck ever since I've been baptized. And today, I want to seek God more. I want to go farther. I want to step on out and walk on water the way Peter did. I I want to see the miracles that Jesus saw. I want more of God. Is there anybody in this room today that say, there is a lot more of God than there is of me, and I need Him. Amen. I trust Him with my life. It's people of the Spirit. Missionaries are awesome. I love them because they're selfless. They're not like us. And I say that in reality. Assemblies of God is not a denomination. Let me say it again. The Assemblies of God is not a denomination. So wherever you're out there on the street and somebody comes up to you, what kind of church you go to? I go to Bethesda. What denomination is that? Not one. What? That's what they're going to do to be What? Yeah, we're, we're not one. Why? Because we don't want to be one. Everybody else is a denomination. We want to be what this says. Amen? I, I want this. I don't want denomination. I want this. I don't want other people's thoughts. I want this. Because this establishes my goings. This is the light that will lead me in the path of righteousness. This is what I need. Amen. It's the word of God. The Bible says stand upon it. And in doing, you will be able to stand anything with this. Amen. Ephesians, it tells us that. That the word of God. The word of God. It's quicker. It's sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces asunder. Even to the bone and marrow. This will go deeper in your life than anything else on the planet. I promise you. If you'll get in if you'll study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman don't need to be ashamed. You will divide this word of truth and it will penetrate your heart. And it will make you see the selfish actions that we do on a daily basis. The way I live. I really believe that. I've been water baptized and I was at the beginning. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my baptism story real quick. I got saved at church. It was in October. They done a baptism service in the church and had a baptistry back there and all that stuff at Raceland where I went. And uh, I, I went that night and they, they, they was doing a baptism service and I knew growing up that baptism is what you need to do. And Ernie, the pastor's up there and he, he got those kids up there and he was baptizing some adults, some other kids or several people. And he says, anybody else out there want to be baptized tonight? I was just sitting out in the crowd. Okay, come on up. You got saved a few months ago. You might all get back to come on up here then. So I went up there, and I, 
me being the hillbilly hick from Lewis County that I was, I, I wasn't dignified by racing people. You Greenham County's in the back. You got what I'm saying. We're, we're like the... Like the offshoot there. Um, so I went up there, and, and, and Sister Francis, I love Sister Francis, uh, uh, the lady up at Racing Church, they was in there, and they had these big white robes. It, I mean, if you get baptized in Lewis County, you just walk out in the creek, and you get dunked and come up, and that's what I'd saw all my life, right? But here they got a big pool and a, a big tank, and, and there's two ladies back there, and they're giving you these white robes, and I was just standing there, and, and Sister Francis, and I forget the other lady, was standing there, and they's like, will you put this on? I'll just take my shirt off. Oh, it did, Chuck, I promise. I, I didn't know. It was like I blinded them or something. I put my white robe on, go out, they dunk me and bring me back in. I pull the white robe off, put my shirt on and driving home. The devil started hitting my mind. You can't go back there. You can't go back there. You can't go back there. You did something you weren't supposed to do, and them women knew it. I didn't know. But the devil was playing tricks in my mind saying, don't go back. You know why he didn't want me to go back? Because the enemy knows that if he can separate you, he'll devour you. And I'm telling you, I need church. Amen? I need the fellowship of the saints. I need to assemble myself together with you guys because why? We can all uh, build each other up. We can all edify each other. And I, I didn't pay no attention to that enemy saying that in my mind. You know what I done on the next Sunday? I got up and went to church. Amen? Amen? Because the enemy of your soul will try to put those things in your mind to say, don't go. Oh, just, just, to, just go ahead and sleep in today. You, you don't need to go. You did this, you did that, and those people know what you're doing, and this or that. And, they, and he tries to paint those pictures in your mind to tell you not to go. You need to go. Amen. Amen? I need the church. I don't know about you, but I do. So in doing so, sorrow, repentance, salvation, water baptism. But in that, I knew there's more to God. I sought God. I, I, I reached out. I, I, I wanted anything God had for me, I wanted it. I wasn't going to challenge. I wasn't going to say no. I just said, God, whatever you got, I want it. I want more. Amen. Amen. And I continued to seek him. The Bible says, seek him while he may be found. And I continued to go forward. And I continued to say, God, anything you want in my life, do it. Within nine months, he says, Ben... You know, when I went down to the youth thing, he called me to preach. I didn't go to say, God, I want to preach. He called me to preach. When we put ourselves on the altar, God will use us. When you place your life in God's hand, I promise you, He will use you. If you will just say, but without God, I couldn't be saved and I've got baptized, but now what? And I hope in this room today that somebody in this room that's been saved, that's been, been through the sorrow, the repentance, the, the salvation, and been water baptized, and you may be sitting there saying, well, well, now what, Pastor? And it's just like that on the foreign soil. What, what does a missionary do? They go and they, they tell people about Jesus. They tell them about the sin that they're in. They get sorry. They repent. They get saved. They water baptize them. Then everybody's standing around saying, well, now what? Now what? It's called discipleship. It's called following Jesus. It's called studying His Word. 
And that discipleship is a continual thing. And if you want to grow in God, I'm telling you today, it is absolutely possible to get more in God. I don't care if you've been saved. Sister Garth has been saved for a long, long time. She planted Bethesda. She's, she's pastored this church before. And it, in doing so, she's come a long way with God, but there's still more. I promise you, Sister Garth, there's still more. You'll never get to that epiphany moment where it's just all over and now you've arrived. Kind of like Paul. strive towards the high calling in Jesus Christ I, I run that race I do what God's called me to do is there anybody in this room today that can say Pastor Ben I'm with you I sense that it's 1227 and I've got three minutes to do my little fun thing because we've got to tell a story right stories tell Amen. that are awesome so I've got to pick somebody here I don't know who can get about the right Anybody graduate in 1984? Who, who graduated close to 1984? Anybody? Uh-oh, there's two of them. Well, Chuck, I'm going to pick on you just because I can. Come on up. Let's, let's get Chuck up here. Let's get Chuck up front and center. Close, what year did you graduate? 83. Oh, this is super close. This is so close. This is going to be awesome. So here's Chuck. You want to look up on the screen? You might need to look up here. <laughs> That's a 1984. It's pretty awesome looking. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like it. Yeah. So just imagine this, that Chuck at age 12, and let's put you at 1980, so we can just put you at 1984, even though you graduated in 83. Okay, not 1980. You know, he's got friends, he's 12 years old, and some of his friends are, are turning 16. Maybe they're older than you out in the town there, and you know them. And, and they're getting cars. They're getting like a 79 TA, and they're driving around town and, and sporting and going. And you're like, man, that's cool, right? That's, that's the picture, right? I, that's cool. I, I can't wait till the day I turn 16 because the day I turn 16, I'm going to go down to the courthouse, and I'm going to apply for something well you got to get something else for that okay permit I'm not going to give you my credit card okay. so there's, there's your permit sir he's come he's he's turned 16 it's 1984 he comes down and gets his permit right so he's got this permit and he he's allowed to drive but he's got to have somebody else with him all right this is like somebody inviting you to come to church and you just go with them right you ain't really driving yet. You ain't got to go anywhere on your own. You're just kind of coming, right? Somebody's invited you. So here you are. You got a permit. Six months. So you get to go around and, and, and drive around. Maybe one of your older friends goes with you, and he's allowed to let you drive, and you're driving around trying to learn how. And you're driving our car, and hopefully you don't wreck it. Amen? So here he goes. He goes driving around, and he's, he's doing this, and he's, he's dreaming this whole time. Man, I can't wait. Till I get my driver's license, right? And he goes six months, and he goes down and applies, and he, he gets himself. Oh, that's my debit card. I ain't doing that. Okay, let's go over here. Now, what you, six months, you're going to go down to the courthouse, and you're going to get in the car with a cop, and he, he's going to test you, and, and you're going to pass. So there you go. Now you got a driver's license. Right? He had a permit. Now he's got a license. Now he's saved. Amen. So he's went from just coming with somebody else to actually he's, he's allowed to go wherever he wants and drive just like he wants to. He's saved on his own. Now, because somebody else sees him out there, 
Maybe it's somebody downtown just feels sorry for old Chuck. They see him out there and helping other people and doing this, and some rich guy down the road just feels sorry for Chuck, and they're like, man, he's an awesome dude, and, and I'm rich, and I got too much money and don't know what to do with it, and they buy him this 1984 Mustang and bring it up and say, here, Chuck, you've got your license. You deserve this. Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> you would have done cartwheels, I, I assure you. It would have been... It would have been on. I can imagine Chuck sporting around there, you know. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Driving around, look, yeah. But here he is, and he's got this car now. So now, this is like water baptism. You've got the car. Now you're the real deal. You're a driver. You've got a car. But now you're sitting there in this car, and you, you leave it in the driveway, and you, you're afraid to go anywhere in it because you don't know how the engine works. You don't know if the crankshaft is connected to the camshaft or if the camshaft is what drives the transmission or if it's what does the uh, uh, rear end. or you, you don't understand what everything else. And you turn the windshield wipers on. You know they work, but you don't know how. And you just always all these tricks in your mind of, well, I can't really go anywhere because I don't know everything about this car. This is Christians. The reason they won't witness to their friends or their co-workers or anybody else because they're afraid they don't know all the Bible. Amen? And then sitting there, but, but now he, he, Chuck's afraid to go out. He's afraid to go out and truly drive, so he just goes out in the driveway and sits in it and sits there and maybe every now and then start the car up and rev the motor, you know, loud exhaust and, and listen to the turbo whine or something. And He's really having a good time just sitting there in the driveway, but he never really goes anywhere. Never travels. This is like most Christians. And I'm saying most because I'm included. A lot of times I can sit there and rabbit up and make all kinds of noise I want. But in reality, I'm not really reaching out and touching people that I need to touch the way God tells me to be a missionary. We're all missionaries. The missionaries tell us every time they come, we're all missionaries. You're missionaries to Lewis County, Greenup County, the surrounding counties. Ernie lives so close to Boyd County. He needs to be in Boyd County too. Amen. Amen. But we all just sit in our driveway looking at our pretty car sure. in our own salvation baptism moment and worried about because we don't know everything about it, the reason we can't say nothing to nobody else. But what we need to, do need to understand is that is awesome. And if you just tell everybody how awesome that is, there's other people say, man, if somebody give him a car, maybe somebody will give me a car. Amen? If you want to be a missionary, just tell your story. You can tell the story about Jesus to the best of your ability. We all know John 3.16, right? That's pretty much engrafted in our hearts in America. If you know that, you know enough because you can sit there and say, well, you ain't going to believe this, but I went to church and I took my shirt off in front of a bunch of elderly old women and they looked like they were getting ready to jump out of the closet. That's my story. I can tell that story because that's my baptism story. And if you'll just tell that story, I'm telling you, other people will come concerned to say, really? You mean Chuck was sorry about his sin? You mean Chuck come to a willful place of, in his mind to say, I, I need to repent for my sin and, and ask God to forgive me of my sin? At that moment, he automatically becomes saved because he asked God to save him. Now he needs water baptized, but he don't need to stop there. We got to go on, church. Amen. How many thanks Chuck did an awesome job? Amen. Thank you, Chucky. Amen. Hopefully, that's a picture in your mind that will help us be there to know the now what.
And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of sitting in the driveway. Is there anybody else in this room that say, I'm tired of being selfish with my salvation. I'm tired of sitting on the fence. Thus, if you'll come play. There is a place in Revelations that says that uh, John the Apostle, the Revelator, was writing back to the church, and he talked about a church in Revelation chapter 3 that says that there's a church called Laodicea, and that church Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. It was just lukewarm. We can't live in that in our Christianity. We can't live in this place of idleness because we'll become stagnant. And you, Have you ever been around a stagnant pool of water, just a pond, that never collects any more rain and it just becomes algae-ridden? It's nasty. But go down and look at a creek. It's continually flowing. There's always life. I'm here to tell you today, don't be a pool. It just says, I got baptized. And it's cool. And I'm going to sit on it for myself and be selfish with it because God has done way too much in your life for you to be quiet. Amen? Won't you stand with me? James chapter 4 says this, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Life is but a vapor. I love this verse because of its, its reality. Life is short, folks. I'm sitting here looking at little Lim up on his mommy's back there looking at me. Looks like he's riding a horse. A minute ago, she told me something that just kind of dumbfounded me. I was like in an awestruck moment. His big brother, watch him, Brantley. When we do handshaking, he hits everybody in the room. He won't quit till he's done. I don't care if Leslie plays three songs, he's still going to go. He's going to try to get everybody in there. Tries his best. He goes up and shakes hand. Says, How are you doing? Yep. That's all he already knows is yep. But it brings a smile to my face every time he comes up. Yep. Hi, Brantley. How are you? Yep. Now, little Liam, today I was walking through and I was shaking everybody's hand and, and, and I come by and little Liam was standing there beside his mom and I, I shook his dad's hand and I shook his mom's hand and I thought, well, well Liam's not old enough yet. And I, I just kind of stand there and he stuck his hand up. Look at him, that little guy right there. Stuck his hand up. And I stuck my hand out and shook his hand. And she told me, she said, if you raise them in church, they know what to do. hit me like a ton of bricks Whew. scripture even says there's no greater joy in any parent's heart than to see their children walking in the things of God life is but a vapor I remember little kids like that at other churches we've been to and now me and Leslie looked up one of them up a while back he was five years old when we pastored down at Middlesbrough now we look at him and he's an adult a full-grown adult. It's just crazy how quick time goes by so fast. You parents know this. You look at your kids and, and it's just amazing how fast little Carver, he's standing there holding her, but it's going to be two blanks, buddy, and she's going to be looking for 80, well, not 84 Mustang, but one kind of like it. Newer version, maybe. Life is but a vapor. Does it seem like your life is vanishing away? Does anybody in this room say, amen, that's me? It seems like it goes by way too fast for me. Amen. And I'm ready for it to just live in the moment. Not to worry about tomorrow, what James says. Live in the right now. And if you live in the right now and live in the will of God, you'll be a missionary and you'll be telling people about your story. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes?
I just want to ask you a very simple question just to pray this prayer, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to let you know from this message today what He's saying to you. Everybody just say, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal unto me what you're saying to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe in asking that. If you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you, He will. And I think there's stages in this thing. I think there's steps. Nobody's steps are the same. But they're ordered of the Lord. And so there's some people in this room today that if you'll bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anybody here who'll say, Pastor Ben, in preaching today, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, and I had a godly sorrow moment where that I realized that my sin is not even against myself, it's against God. And today I've got a godly sorrow in this place. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Is there others? Anybody else that's got a godly sorrow moment? Amen. There's hands all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. And in saying that, now you take the next step. What's the next step? It's repentance. It's basically just asking Jesus to forgive you for those sins, that that godly sorrow that you feel, that you want something done about it, and you're asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Is there anybody here who will say, Pastor Ben, that's me. I've got that godly sorrow, and I want, I want my sins to be washed away today by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to walk out of this place with a new robe, a white robe of righteousness. I'm going to walk out of here change day. Thank you for that, hands. There are others. There are those of you who raised your hand. There's a lot more. Amen. There's, they're still coming. Anybody else saying, I'm walking out of here saved today. Amen. I'm repenting and I'm walking out saved. Amen. Thank you for that hand. If you've done those three steps, you know the next step is water baptism. So get with somebody real soon. Maybe get with the person that invited you to church and go with them and say, won't you go baptize me? If you want me and Sister Leslie to go with you or anybody else, Dusty or Albie or any of us from the church, we'd be glad to do so. I can't wait for the day of where everybody in this room is so contagious that you win your friends, your family, your loved ones, and you begin to baptize each other according to Scripture. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then now what? There's people in this room that may need to say, Pastor Ben, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I've been sitting around too long saying, now what? And this message today was for me. And I'm ready for the will of God. Is there anybody here that will say, that's me? I'm the now what? Amen. There's a hand coming up. There's two. There are three. Amen. Any others will say, now what? I'm tired of sitting in the driveway. Just revving the engine. I'm ready to go. God's calling is upon your life. I want to pray for everybody in this room today. And I want us to all to pray this prayer together because there's some people in this room that said that they want to repent. They want saved today. And they're going to ask Jesus to come in their heart. And I want us to all do it with them together so that they won't be alone because we're a church that builds each other up. Everybody in this room say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins, for my faults, for my failures, for my shortcomings. Help me to live the life that you want me to live. Sanctify me today in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.